Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our risen and living Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. God's word which we receive with joyful hearts this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 10 verses 34 to 42. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the, pro in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. So far the word of the Lord. Sanctify us by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. Do you think you'd be able to cut off one of your own limbs to save your life? Every once in a while you hear about people hiking in remote areas who fall down and maybe get their legs stuck or maybe a boulder falls on their arm or something like that and they're forced to choose between their limb and their life. Similarly, a hundred years before, ago before modern medicine, a doctor sometimes had to choose to cut off a patient's infected, gangrenous limb in order to save their life. That certainly would be a hard choice to make. And hopefully it's one that we never have to make, right? In this section of Matthew, Jesus is sending his disciples out. He's sending them out with the wonderful good news that he has come to save us, that he has come to die for our sins, but before they go out, he wants to make sure that they understand that there are times when they might have to make hard choices. There are times, and it maybe happens more often than we think, when we need limbs cut off spiritually in order to save our life spiritually. Jesus says, I came with a sword. I came to cut sin off from you, from the world, so that you might live with me. But sometimes that means making hard choices. First verse of our text, Jesus reminds us, Matthew 10, 34, Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a, a sword. This is not the first time that God has spoken about Jesus' uh, mission in terms of hatred and animosity and even of war in terms of a sword. In fact, God prophesied that this would happen way back in the very beginning. We go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 and remember what God said there to the serpent. He said, I will put enmity between you and the woman. He will create division. He will cut off Satan between man and Satan and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. It's for this very purpose that Christ came to cut us off from sin. 
and from the evil that Satan would drag us down into. I imagine, I've never been in this situation, but I imagine one of the most difficult parts of cutting your limb off would simply be the making the decision to do it. As you're sitting there trapped, it might be easy to think, well, someone will come along. I just need to wait another hour. I just need to wait a couple more hours. Surely someone will come along. It would be easy to, to keep waiting. But of course, if you wait too long, you're not going to have the strength that you need to crawl back wherever you need to go or limp back after you, you cut your limb off. The longer you wait, the harder it's going to be. God knows right away from the very beginning in Genesis chapter 3 that drastic measures need to be taken. He doesn't wait to make the decision. He says right away, a sword is needed. A sword is needed. The Messiah will need to come with a sword to create enmity, to cut off Satan. They notice that it's not limited to Satan, is it? It's not just Satan, but and your seed, he says to Satan. The Apostle John in 1 John 3, 8 uh, lets us know what God meant when he was talking about the seed of Satan. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. The seed of Satan is sin. Even the sin within us in Christ has come, as John reminds us, to destroy, to cut off that sin. Jesus died so that we could be forgiven. In our baptism, that sin is washed away. He came to cut it off. But if we don't let go of it, we might be washed away with it. Why mightn't we? Jesus knows how to deal with our sin. It's for that purpose he came. It's for that reason he came down this earth to die and to rise again in order to cover our sin as the uh, prophet David reminds us, blessed is the man whose sin is forgiven. Our sin is not a problem for Jesus. He knows how to wash it away, how to, how to forgive it. As we talked about in the children's sermon, that's why we come to church, to have that sin forgiven. But if we won't let go of it, if we insist on holding on to our sinful attitudes and our sinful way of life because we care more about the joys of the sinful world than about Christ, then we might well be pulled down, washed away with it. Very often, rather than confronting our own sinfulness in Christ Jesus, we have a tendency to make excuses for it and to think, well, sin's not that big of a deal. God has forgiven me. Jesus reminds us in our text, I have come with a sword to cut it away. It is a big deal. Let it go in Christ. That's one of the reasons why private confession is such a wonderful gift from God, coming to the pastor and confronting that sin without excuses and hearing, once again, that wonderful news, finding that rest in Jesus, being washed of that sin, especially particular sins that we might be dealing with, is a gracious gift from God. Jesus continues in our text in verses 35 and 36, I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be those of his own household. That law of God, that sword of God, which comes to cut away sin, it not only needs to pierce our own heart, which it often does, 
confronting our sin and washing it away in Christ, but it often also comes between us and perhaps even those that we love. Jesus warns that following him sometimes means even turning our back on father, mother, son, daughter, brother, sister. This is the hiker who gets trapped and loves his leg or his arm more than his life, might end up losing his life because he can't make the decision to cut it off. So Jesus warns that those who care more about people in this world than about Jesus might end up losing him because they're clinging instead to this world. We see that again in the very beginning. That's what Adam did, isn't it? The Bible lets us know that Adam was not deceived. He knew perfectly well what Eve had done, and yet he chose to hold on to Eve, to follow her into sin, rather than to follow God. The consequences were rather disastrous. Now Jesus is not, of course, suggesting that we need to shun anyone who might be an unbeliever or anyone who might uh, believe something a little bit differently than what the Bible teaches. He's not suggesting that we just never talk to them again and cut them out of our lives in that way. We have other Bible passages that make that quite clear. For example, Romans 12, 18, Paul tells us, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. And Paul, again, in 1 Corinthians 7 uh, instructs, if any brother has a wife who does not believe and she is willing to live with him, let him not divorce her. And a woman who has a husband who does not believe, if he is willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. So Jesus isn't suggesting we just cut them out of our lives in that sense and never talk to them again. What Jesus is warning against is a little more subtle than that in our text. Because <clears throat> very often... When we are confronted with somebody who disagrees with God's word, who goes against Jesus, there's that temptation in our own minds to compromise God's word rather than to confront the truth about what God says about that person or about their sin or about what they're saying or teaching. Our desire to think well of them, our desire to, to hope for the best for them might lead us to subtly compromise God's word. Going back to what Satan said to Eve, did God really say? Did God really say that was a, that was a sin? There's a, a place in our life for tactfulness, right? Uh, especially with de when dealing with those who believe differently than us. There's a place in our life for not even bringing it up because we've already talked about it and everybody knows where everyone stands and there's no point in getting into an argument over Thanksgiving dinner. But there's no place in our life to compromise God's word, even in our own minds. That's what we heard about in our Old Testament reading. There we had two prophets. We had prophet Hananiah, and we have the prophet Jeremiah. And Hananiah is trying to be positive. He's trying to be upbeat. He's trying to comfort the people. Well, that sounds like a good thing for a prophet of God to do. To say, it's, it's okay, God loves you, God's going to rescue you from Babylon. But the problem was, what he was saying was contrary to the clearly revealed word of God. He was, Hananiah was ignoring the sin of the people and the sin which God had condemned. And saying, oh, it doesn't really matter what you guys have done, God is... God is not going to stay mad with you for more than a year. You'll be back here in Israel before you even know it. 
And the Lord confronts Hananiah with the prophet Jeremiah. That's not what I said. Don't compromise God's word. Jesus warns that sticking to God's word can sometimes cause fights and disagreements even between close family members. Which is more important to us? Our close family members or God, Christ, and his word? Jesus reminds us in John 12, 31, Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. This is a wonderful, beautiful thing. It's a very positive thing that Jesus is telling us in our text. He has come to cut away our sin so that we might live with him. It might not seem like a good thing when the doctor says, we have to cut the leg off. But it's for your good. And what Jesus is telling us in our text is for our good as well. When Jesus sends his disciples out, he wants them to understand the joy of the gospel, that he has come to wash away our sins. But he also wants them to understand that it is sometimes necessary to use that sword. A doctor who refuses to cut away a limb that is infected and gangrenous and can't be saved is not a good doctor. And the the disciple or the church that refuses to confront sin, as God has called it sin, and to work to cut it away. Even sometimes that means confronting those who are impenitent and telling them what God's word has to say. They're not good disciples of Christ. Verses 39 and 40 of our text. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. He receives you, receives me. And he receives me, receives him who has sent me. What has Jesus done for you? Every verse of scripture, every story in scripture, we always want to approach it with that attitude, right? What has Jesus done for me? Because when we look at scripture and we see what Jesus has done for me, we go away in that joy of the Holy Spirit, knowing all that Christ has done for me. And so we we ask ourselves in our text today, what has Jesus done for me? for me. Jesus says, I have come with the sword and it may be painful and it may be difficult. I have come with the sword to cut away your sin so that you might have life. The modern view of God's word and of sin is often to to say, just like the prophet Hananiah, that it doesn't matter that God loves everyone. It doesn't really matter who you are and what you do with your life. It's okay, God loves everyone. But that's not the view that Christ gives us in our text and in his word. His His way of salvation is that sin must be cut away so that we can be saved through him. Jesus does not only emphasize the the negative aspect of this division in our text, but he really does also emphasize the joyful, positive aspect. He who finds his life will lose it, but he who loses his life for my sake will find eternal life. He reassures us of what a blessing it is that he comes with the sword, even as painful as it might be. And it calls on us to stop holding on to the sin of this life, which leads to death and instead rejoice in his forgiveness and his salvation. Amen. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.